What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Verse Church podcast. This is a message from our Sunday morning service recorded live in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Enjoy. I've called this message Walk Together. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to walk together. We're going to talk about how to walk this life out and how to do it together. And it's awesome that God doesn't desire us to function as one individual person. He desires that we function as a whole. That's so cool because a lot of times we feel lonely. Like we feel alone in this. Like, oh man, I'm just, it's me and my relationship with God and that's all I have. And I've been in those places where I haven't known anyone else. Or I've been going into a ministry situation where I'm just like, all right, Lord, it's me and the faith I have in you, and that's all I can hold on to right now. Um, and, and that's a good place to be in because all of a sudden you go into those situations and then you see that you're not alone, that, that you have uh, a ton of other people who are also following Jesus. And uh, one of the verses that's been ministering to our family recently is uh, where it says, uh, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And, and the idea that we, we're better together. This, this Christian walk isn't meant to be walked out on our own um, or by ourselves or even alone as a family group. We're, we're meant to walk this out uh, in unity with other believers. And, uh, and the same thing that cut, can cut down can also build up. You know, we're talking about iron sharpens, sharpens iron. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about as a family uh, is that the same iron that can cut down when when put together to sharpen each other uh, can, can be used to build people up. And so that's what we want to be focused on. We want to be focused on building each other up, having each other's backs, um, spurring each other along, encouraging each other. Uh, and, and Paul will give us details on how we're to do that. Let's open uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6 this morning. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So first off, let's just remember who Paul is talking to here. Paul is talking to believers. We remember that from uh, verse 1, chapter 1, where Paul said, uh, this is to the saints in Ephesus. So this is to, this is to Christians. So once again, uh, we're talking to, you can't have real lasting unity based on anything but Jesus. Uh, you, you look, you watch groups try and get together um, based on something that's not Jesus. Uh, and, and immediately there's, uh, differences of opinion and, and, and splits and backbiting and, and, and all these things that happen uh, because it's not based on something lasting. It's not based on, on the one true uh, Lord, Jesus Christ. And so uh, this is written to Christians 
you can have unity and oneness with non-believers for sure, um, but it's not going to have the same kind of um, deep spiritual connection that you have with another with a fellow believer. So, written to believers, uh, and Paul encourages believers to live lives which honor God's gifts of peace, and uh, and he offers similar words to other churches as well. So this is a common theme that Paul loves to use, is, is to um, encourage people to be united in one body. Um, and, and so as we start this wonderful journey, uh, verse 4 opens up with uh, a verse that's very challenging but doesn't seem to fit in the, in the flow of unity here. Uh, Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, which you have been called. Uh, walking in a manner worthy of what we have been called to do is also another theme that Paul uses here. And uh, Paul tells the Thessal Thessalonians this. He tells the Philippians this. He, he tells the Colossians and the Ephesians all, are all very similar messages, almost word for word, some, some differences. But the idea of you were called by God um, and Jesus gave his life for, for you to have uh, a relationship with your heavenly father. So in light of that, we should walk in a manner worthy of that calling, which is very challenging, very inspiring as well to say, okay, like I want to walk this out. I want to really walk through this life um, in a way that, that honors God and, and brings glory to Him. But it's also something that's really challenging. Like, where do you find the inspiration to do that? Uh, where do you find the strength to walk in a manner worthy of, of this great calling on our life, uh, of everything Jesus did for us? And, and I love that Paul starts this whole section with a therefore. Uh, once again, we're going to remind you that when you see a therefore, you find out what it's there for. And there are a lot of therefores in Paul's writing. He's like, talks about something, and then he's like, therefore, this. And then he'll talk about something else, and then he'll be like, therefore, do this. And so what Paul is talking about here when he says therefore is he's talking about the first three chapters. He's Therefore can mean since or because of what we talked about previously or in light of what we were just speaking about, then do this. And so he says, therefore, and he's talking about all of the things that we learned in verse, uh, chapters 1 through 3. So all that God give, gave us, the fact that he made us heirs, joint heirs with Christ, the fact that we have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, the fact that, um, that we are one under God, that there's no division between Jew and Gentile. All these, all these blessings, all this time he's spent trying to tell us about our identity, who we are, what we are in Christ, where we sit in Christ, positionally how we can go straight to the Father. I mean, that, that alone um, should blow our minds that we can go, God the creator of the universe. You study the Old Testament, you'll see how God related to people and how man had to relate to God. And there was an insane amount of division between God and man. Uh, just, just as far as the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. Just as far as how all the systems set up so um, man could even relate to God 
through sacrifices and blood and, and, and all these things that God told them to set up in, in a manner of, of respect and fear and, and honor for, for God. And then when we get to the New Testament, the time we're living in, after Jesus died on the cross, that, that veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom, uh, as it says in the Bible. And so we are able to enter the Holy of Holies just by going through Jesus. All the, all the ability that the, uh, the high priest had and all the lack of ability to come to God that just a normal person had, we have all of that. Christ. So this is a this is a big deal. Like I think sometimes we go, oh yeah, I just talk to God. Yeah, I just drive down the road and I say what's up and he's my bro and we hang out. And, and we don't understand that like there were thousands and thousands of years where where there were all these structures of how man had to respond to God. And yes, God is our Father, and yes, we can just go to Him at, at any time with at any whim and with anything that's on our heart. Um, but but that's something that we should give glory to Jesus for, for making happen, because that, that's not how man had to respond to God in the past. Uh, this, is a, this is a somewhat new thing in the last 2,000 years, us being able to go directly to God through Jesus. So this is what Paul is detailing here. It's like, this was new to him. He, he had to, before, he had to go to God through all these systems, because he was a Sadducee. He was a, a Jew of Jews, and so he wouldn't have thought twice to just be flippant about coming to God in prayer. Um, but after Jesus, he's understanding like, whoa, the, even the Gentiles can go to God in prayer. Even we have all these blessings. We're joint heirs. This is amazing. So that's what Paul's detailing in the first three chapters. And you can tell because he's just run on sentence, run on sentence, run on sentence. Um, just really like stoked out of his mind about these things um, that God is doing in the lives of the Gentiles and in the lives of the Jews that he's ministering to. So he spends three chapters talking about that, and then he says, therefore, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into the nitty-gritty of how we w walk this out. Then we're going to jump into the, okay, don't do this, do this, walk in unity. It's hard, but we're one body, we're one uh, family of God, all these things. And so I want you to keep that in mind, and I'll, I'll be bringing it up because I, I think it's really important that as we get in, especially as we get into um, later chapters 5 and, and, and into 6 where we're talking about the warfare that we experience. and It, it can get kind of burdensome. Like, oh man, if you're just opening to that passage, you can, you can get to the point where you're like, man, this life is just a war. It's a battle. I don't have any strength. I, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I, I'm trying to do these things. And, and just like Paul said, I, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do and, and wretched man that I am, you know, you can get to this point where you're just like beating yourself up about it. But I, I want us to remember that, that Paul puts that therefore at the beginning of chapter four. So he's saying, in light of all these blessings, now walk worthy. Now do. Now walk this out. Um, and it's not a burden anymore. It's something that like, wow, I get to follow Jesus. I get to worship the Lord. I get to be a part of this family. I get to uh, love my wife and love my neighbor and love my kids because that's how God's called me to do. So uh, I think that's super important and something that we'll keep keep harping on, keep talking about um, because I love that concept. Because I, I think a lot of us grew up with the idea that um, on Sunday mornings you just hear the like, 
don't do this, do this, you're awful, you're horrible, you know, and, um, and for me, that was always like, I'd walk out going deflated, like, oh, oh, man, I'm just a mess, and, and that's part of the gospel, we are a mess, and we need Jesus, but that, that leaves people kind of just um, broken and distraught, instead of saying, like, wow, God was so good that he took messes like us and molded them into something beautiful. He's molding us. He's working on us. He's, he's growing us, and he cares about us so much that he not only sent his son to die for us, but he wants us to be part of his family. He wants to, us to mature. He wants us to go um, deeper in our understanding and our knowledge and our love. He doesn't, I've heard it said, God loves you enough to die for you, but he loves you enough to not just leave you where you are and be like, oh, that guy's saved now. He loves us enough to, to then bring us out and call us to, to something higher, call us to a higher calling. Uh, and, and it's all because of his love, and it's all through Christ. So, therefore, it's an important word, and it's easy to breeze over it. But I hope that every time you see that in Scripture, like I, there was a time when I would underline it. Every time I came across it, I'd be like, Therefore, and then you take an arrow and you go back to what is it What is it there for? Where, where, where did that come from? You can go back as far as you need to, to where you see the thought kind of end, the previous thought begin, and then see it end at the, at the word therefore. And it's really good to kind of circle those so you can see in your Bible, what is he talking about? Um, so we called this message Walk Together, and uh, it got me thinking, uh, when was the last time you just went on a walk? Uh, I don't walk often, but I like the idea of it. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I, I think the people that do, just you see them just walking, just charging along. Uh, I think it's really cool, because they're not, you know, it's not like running, where you're like trying to be something, you're trying to be somebody. Like, when you're walking, you're just, you're just doing it on your own, you're cruising. And uh, I've heard a lot of pastors say that walking really is great for clearing your head and uh, for prayer and uh, just thinking things through. Uh, so I'm going to challenge myself to take some more walks and just you just go and, and think about things and pray and talk to God. And it's not something where we're running, you're getting all like out of breath. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes running can be a good way to do this too. Um, but as I was thinking about walking, I was thinking, man, like, we don't really have to think about walking, right? Like, when we walk, we can think about other things. We can uh, pray. We can talk to God. We can have a conversation and walk, um, which I think sometimes we take, a grant, take for granted because that wasn't always the case in our lives, right? Like, there was a time in our lives when we were very small where walking was all-consuming. It, it took everything we had to be able to just take a step. And then as we're taking steps, then we're, we're stumbling and we're, and we're trying to figure it out and we're walking and, and, and it's taking our whole lives and our whole thought process to just pour in to this idea of just walking. And I think the same is true in a spiritual sense. Um, Paul calls us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, right? And so for some of us, we're going, man, I can't even, I have to do everything I can to just walk this Christian life out. Like, I have to focus every moment on just trying to take a step after a step and just stumble through it. And and I, I want to encourage you, if, you're, if that's where you're at, that Paul will later call us to maturity, 
call us to spiritual maturity. And, and in that case, you mature in your walk. You don't have to think about it as much. As you could then, then you're not having to just struggle to take every step in God's will. As you grow in maturity and, and in Christ and, and understanding unity and understanding all that God gave us that Paul detailed in chapters one through three, um, this walk becomes more natural. And then and that's when God can and does then use us and give us more platform and give us more ability. Um, to minister to others in those places. But a lot of times I think we feel like, oh man, we're just, it's, my life is just going to be this struggle to just walk out my calling. And, and I think what God would speak to you today is that, that as you mature, this walk will become more natural, become more second nature, just like we do, just go for a walk any day and, and it's like nothing. And as we devote our lives to the Lord, it'll be the same with our spiritual walk, where we'll just be able to walk it out and focus on um, what God has for us. Not that it'll be easy, because uh, walking still is hard, you know, like there's still, a, it's still an exercise to it, we're still burning calories when we walk, um, but in, in the general idea of just it being able, you being able to walk this life out while looking for areas to bless other people. Um, that's where we're headed. That's where we're hoping to get to. Uh, and that's where Paul will call us to, to grow in spiritual maturity uh, in God's love and, and his plan for your life as it becomes second nature. The word worthy here um, is an interesting word. And, and what it means in the Greek is it was a, a picture of scales. It was a picture of, uh, of a, a weighing device. And what it, what it looked like in that time was they would put something on the scale on one side, and then they would put money or grain or something else on the scale on the other side, and then they would balance each other out. And so when something was worthy, it would be the same compensation or the same corresponding weight as the other thing. Um, and so how that played out in that day was wages or grains or anything that they would weigh out, you'd say, okay, these things have the same amount of importance. And so when we look at our lives and you look at that word worthy, how we walk in a manner worthy of our calling is that um, God would have the, the majority of the importance in our life, that, that everything would be um, unto him, and that uh, our lives and our practical living uh, would be equal with what with what God calls us to do. So um, I think we, we kind of understand that, but I like that picture of the scales uh, and, and what God calls us to, to do and then what we're actually doing being equal, having the m most importance, having equal importance in our lives uh, and, and that, that doing that that way. Now there's a, another balance here um, because there's a part that we do where we're making sure that our lives are uh, walking in a manner worthy of our calling, where we're walking this out, we're taking one step after another. Um, but Second Thessalonians 2.11 um, tells us that God does the work, that, that God is at work in our lives. It says that our God may make you worthy of his calling. So Paul's saying, walk in a manner worthy of your calling to the Ephesians, but then to the Thessalonians, he says that God makes you 
worthy of your calling. And so um, there's a balance here. God does the work and we take the walk. And I think that's an important thing to understand as well, is that as we walk this out, as we pursue him and as we spend time with him, he is doing the work in our lives to make us worthy of his calling. Let's take a few moments to look at what this worthy walk looks like. We'll look at verse 2 and 3 here. And we'll see four attributes uh, that are necessary for preserving unity. Because uh, Paul says a worthy walk looks like unity here. He says, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you received. And then he says, be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. He jumps right into application. So, um, and these are all based on being united and, and being in Christ. And this is how we walk this out. So, as we talk about this, I've chosen the word preserving unity instead of creating unity. And I think there's an important distinction to make here. We don't create unity. That's, that's God's job through Christ. He creates the unity. He did everything necessary for us to have unity. Uh, we preserve or maintain that unity. So we aren't the architects or even the builders. Uh, we're like the janitors. We just, we just preserve the unity. We just make sure that our lives are a reflection, of, a reflection of what Jesus did for us to have that unity, and that's how we keep it. So uh, the burden's not on us to then, oh, I need to create unity. I need to build this place where we're united, and, and it's all on us. It's like, no, no, no. It's all on God. He already did everything. We just have to preserve. We just have to clean up. We just have to, we're the janitors. We're the landscapers. Um, we just take care of this unity. And this is how we do this. These are four things that are necessary to preserving that unity. Uh, first, we need humility. Um, some translations say lowliness, uh, and which kind of has a bad association with it. Uh, humility can even kind of have a bad association with it sometimes. And then there you have those people that are like, man, I'm so humble. I'm like the most humble. I'm awesome because I'm, I'm so humble. I'm rad. Uh, and, and that's the opposite of what we're trying to do here. Um, humility is putting others before yourself. Uh, humility is laying your life down for other people. Uh, who Matthew 23, 12 tells us, um, that Jesus was born in a, in a humble manger. And Matthew 18, 4 tells us that whoever exalts himself will be humble, and whoever <laughs> humbles himself will be exalted. Now, that's a promise from God. He said, look, if you exalt yourself, if you lift yourself up, I'm going to have to cut you down. And whoever humbles themselves, I'm, I'm going to raise them up, and I'm going I'm to give them a place um, of, of, um, of influence over people. Uh, of a high place in, in this world. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't look like what we would think it would look like. A lot of times the, the most humble and the most exalted people are, are actually the ones suffering the most. But they're just, they're the ones who are able to turn all that suffering into joy. They're the, they're the most joyful people that we meet. They're the most uh, 
hardcore prayer warriors that we can be. Because it takes humility to hit your knees and, and to be in prayer. It takes humility uh, to, to bow before the Lord and to worship Him. Um, but that's when we're filled. That's when we're exalted. That's when we understand uh, our actual position in Christ. The second one is gentleness. So it takes gentleness um, to preserve unity. This is a really important one um, because you can be humble and, and still not be careful or not be gentle. And so as we, uh, as we pursue unity, as we're looking to how we relate to other people, we need to remember that we need to be gentle with people. Uh, Paul will tell us next week in chapter 4, later in chapter 4, that we speak truth in love. So we speak truth, uh, we, we, we ad address people, we call people out if they're in sin, but we do it in love and we do it with gentleness um, because God brings, he's the judge, he brings the conviction. Um, and, and a lot of times a gentle word is all it takes for someone to be like, you know what, you're right. I need to get right with God. And sometimes uh, a harsh word uh, will make someone go rise up and be like, I don't, need, I don't need that. And so God knows that gentleness will cut to the heart. So humility and gentleness uh, are, are two very important things. And there, um, gentleness is part of the fruits of the Spirit that are listed in Galatians 5.23 uh, and so important for every, every believer, whether you're, uh, in, a, in conflict with someone or not, whether you're just getting to know someone. Um, we need to be gentle with how we approach people. We need to be gentle with our words. We need to be kind. That would be another uh, synonym for gentle here. So gentleness is very important. Third, patience. Uh, patience or long-suffering. And so this, is, this idea is the concept that you would have the power to take revenge, but you wouldn't. Um, this would be like if you were upset with someone and, and you had just the perfect way to get back at them, and then you decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let that one go. Um, that's the picture of long-suffering, this word long-suffering in the Greek here. Um, but it has the characteristics of forgiving, of a generous heart, um, Patience is also one of the fruits of the Spirit, and, uh, and it's necessary to be able to show love to others. Uh, every, Paul reminds believers in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is patient. Um, and so we understand that as we're loving others, as we're, as we're loving uh, other believers, as we're in community with people, it's going to take patience, you know? Um, People are going to do things that, that we don't like, that we don't want them to do, that, that we think are wrong. Um, I wore a hat today, and Elaine was like, people shouldn't be wearing hats indoors. And I'm like, I did it just to stretch you. <laughs> you know. But, but anyway, oh, we're going to be in those things where it's like, oh, we need patience with people. you know. And I, I'll, I'll pick on Elaine, but I know she's, she's cool with it. Um, and uh, and what, we, what we see here is that being in a relationship, like, people are just difficult, you know? Like, people are going to, um, some people are like, man, I love that person because he's just like me. 
He says everything like me. He believes everything I believe, and we see the world exactly the same. And, and those kind of people you rarely have problems with other than when they, your flaws start to reflect, and then you're like, that guy gets on my nerves when he's like super grumpy all the time. And then you're like, oh, well, if he's like just like me, that means I'm super grumpy all the time. Uh-oh. You know, but, um, but so those kind of people we can get along with really easily. But there's diversity. There's, there's differences in the body of Christ. And so a lot of times we don't see eye to eye with other people on, on little things, on just personality things, character things, whatever. And so we need to be um, gentle and patient uh, and with, come to people with humility in those ways. And that's how we preserve this unity that God's calling us to work on, to have. He created it, and then we just manage it. The fourth thing that we need to preserve unity is um, love, in love. The way the passage puts it is bearing with one another in love, or you could write forbearance. We don't really use that word anymore, um, but it's the, it's the idea that you're taking each other's burdens on to your, yourself, that you're bearing a burden with someone. If you, if you can imagine... Um, Two people were trying to lift um, a piano. They would have a really hard time lifting it. You know, but if there's a group of 30 people that come and, and they bear this burden together, they're able to possibly lift that piano and take it where they need to go. Uh, and that's the picture of the church. That's the picture of unity in the body of Christ, is that when someone's bearing a load, that when someone's um, burdened, that we all come together in love, not saying, oh man, you really messed up this time. Oh, you should, probably shouldn't have been there. Probably shouldn't have done that. Probably, but no, we, we come together in love and we lift that person up and we, we bear their burden with them. And, and that speaks way more um, to that person of Christ's love than, than someone coming along and being like, well, you're stuck now. Sorry, you're never going to be able to lift that piano with only two people. Um, because to, to them that just speaks something they already know. But if, if a group of believers, um, if, if someone's having a hard time financially or with their, with their kids or, or with their job or, or anything, to be able to come along and be like, hey, how can we pray for you and how can we help you? How can we actually physically help you? That's going to speak so much to that person. Um, what's funny about that is... It takes humility on the part of the other person to admit that they have a heavy load that they're bearing, you know? Um, because a lot of times we won't even know what people, what we're dealing with, what each other are dealing with. Because it's like, well, I'm not going to share that with anyone because I, I am, you know, I did get myself in this position and, and I, you know, I do have um, whatever, the, the job that I chose or the career I chose or the, well, however it works. Um, of what we're dealing with. You know, I did raise my child and now I'm dealing with this hard thing. But if we're to have humbly coming to each other, um, understanding that we're going to be responded to in love, then we can all lift those loads together and, and it's way easier to carry. And the other thing that's cool is even though we all might have things we're dealing with that seem really heavy in our lives, that seem like we can't get past, um, to someone else, that might seem really easy, you know? If, if, if I'm doing some graphic work and I'm like, oh, this is taking me forever, I 
I'm not good at this, I don't like this, whatever, I, I, but I'm gonna just keep toiling with it. And then I finally humbly admit to Johnny, like, oh man, I'm really having a hard time with this graphic work. And he's like, oh, well just do this, this, and this, and, and you're done, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it for you, I'll show you how to do it, whatever. We all have different skills, we all have different gifts. And so God has created us to be able to help each other, to bear these burdens together in love. If, if Johnny were to be like, oh man, you're so dumb, you don't know how to do this graphically, then that wouldn't be coming to me in love. You know, these are kind of silly examples because what's really going on in our lives is usually uh, too, too heavy to talk about uh, from the pulpit or like, you know, um, like, but being honest with people about what we're really going through then helps um, other people know how to lift those burdens with you. So um, please share with each other what's really going on. Share with us how we can pray for you, and we'll share how we, you can pray for us as well. Because we all have stuff we're going through, and we're all human. So it doesn't, you don't have to put on like some pretty mask or pretty face because that, that's not unity. Like being, faking it till you make it is not how God calls us to be united. Uh, he calls us to be patient with each other, to give give people the opportunity to be gentle, give people the opportunity uh, to be humble and to, to respond in humility. So this is what it looks like. This is the calling, pretty, pretty high standards here, but it's all based on what God has already done for us. He's already proven um, to us that he's faithful, that he's good, that, that we are in need of a savior, that we are humbled already. And, and so, he will give us the strength to walk this stuff out. So that's how we preserve the unity. I also have uh, four application points here of how we walk together and become a united church. Um, so that's how we preserve it. And these are some aspects of living, of how we live this out, how we walk together. Um, firstly, we need to live like Christ or live as one. Paul says here in verse 4, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So we're going to unpack this a little bit, but when he says one Lord, um, as I was looking through commentaries, they were saying that that Lord is talking about Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Lord many, many times in the scripture. And then later, Paul talks about one God and Father. So he's not repeating himself talking about God the Father. He's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we see that there's one Spirit as well. So we see the Trinity in this statement. Paul's saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, are, are all one, and we're to live as one as well. Uh, some scriptures that I thought of as I was thinking of how Jesus lived as one and how we should live like Christ, um, John 10, 29, and 30. You can jot that down and look it up later, but it says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So that's where Jesus is saying, look, we're one. We, God's given them to me, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
John 17, 21 says that all of them may be made one. And so this is, this is Jesus praying for, for us, praying for his disciples, but praying for the Christians in the years to come. This is before he ascends into heaven. He's saying um, that all of them may be um, one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I think that's so beautiful. So this unity we're talking about, Jesus prays for it for us, um, and he describes how it works. He says um, that the Father and the Son are one, and if we are in the Son, if we are in Christ, then we are made one as well. And then he says so that the world may believe that you sent me. So it's our unity that helps the world believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we don't understand exactly how that works, but us being one with the Father, one with the Son, and, and one with each other in this unity um, is, is a, a ministry, is a, is a, um, is a, the world looks in on that and wants that. It's a, it's a mission field to the world, of, of the world saying, wow, that group is, is united, is one. We want, how do we get that? And then we say, our message to them is the only way to reach true unity is through Jesus. You know, that's the only way. So come to Jesus, and then you can have this oneness that, as well that you desire so much. So, um, so we need to be one. Let's go through just how this, how this works out a little bit. Um, I think it's awesome that Paul uses this phrase one over and over again because it really, um, the repetitive nature really is, is easy to memorize. It's easy to understand that like Paul is talking about oneness here. Uh, he says one in body. Uh, and if you skip to verse 16 of chapter 4, which we'll get to next week, he says from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul elaborates on this understanding of, of us being one body as actually relating it to a, a physical body and that every part has its part that it does the work, has its calling, has its purpose in the body of Christ. We'll get more in depth on that concept next week, but I just wanted to uh, remind us that it's, we talk about, oh, the body of Christ, but like how Paul describes it and how the Bible describes it is, is an actual body where Christ is the head, and then we all, uh, some people are fingers, some people are toes, some people are arms, some people are legs, some people are mouths, whatever, um, but we all have our lane we're supposed to run in. And this is a picture of, of how we are united in Christ. He says one baptism. Um, in Acts 2.41, we see a picture of this baptism being uh, an important step. As someone asks Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, they go straight to baptism. And a lot of times in Acts, they would just go, all right, you're a Christian, you ask God to be your Lord and Savior, let's get baptized. And then the people would be like, yeah. And what that is, it's an outward reflection of what just happened internally. You know, uh, I think a lot of times we, as Christians, we delay that. We go, oh, well, all right, you accepted the Lord, let's learn and grow. And, and you have to have an understanding of what Jesus did for you. 
Um, but I love this picture of, of Paul saying it's one baptism. It's, it's, it's baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and we all share that. All the, those that have been baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we share that baptism. And we share that um, picture of what God has done internally that we have then portrayed externally to the world. And, and so uh, a lot of times baptism is a, is a, a subject of divides. But Paul's saying, no, 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 it's, it's, we have one baptism. We're supposed to be united in that um, and united in how the Bible tells us it's done. Number two, uh, we are to be all in just as God is all in. So as how we walk together and how we become united in Christ uh, and united as a church is we should be all in. We see verse six, uh, Paul says that there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So as we serve the Lord and as we grow in unity as a group, um, we need to be just like, just like Paul gives this description of God being in all, over all, through all, um, we need to be all in as well. We need to be um, of one mind of following the Lord, of one mind in Christ. There are a lot of different ways that we can get off track and start focusing on other aspects that aren't as important um, in our Christian walk. But if we are focusing on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, then um, we don't get off track and we don't get fixate on one little idea that creates division. We don't fixate on one little speck uh, in someone else's eye when we have just as much of a plank in our own eye. And so um, I, I love that Paul describes God in this way. And, uh, and I think this should drive us to worship. This should drive us to be like, wow, God is so great that he is, uh, like Paul did in our passage last week, he keeps building on what he's saying. So he says um, he's over all and through all and in all. So all encompassing. And that's what I mean by being all in. God should be all-encompassing in our life. That as we serve him, it should permeate our lives and, and affect everything we're doing. Everything we say, how we respond to each other, how we respond to the world, how our thoughts in our mind. God should be able to have access to, to everything and be able to pull the red flag out when he sees something that doesn't glorify him. And be able to go, nope, that doesn't glorify me. And we go, okay, that's out of here. If that's in my life and it doesn't glorify the Lord, it's out of here because I'm all in. Because God is um, working through me and in me and in uh, in all. So that's what that's what I mean by that. Um, I love that passage, just talking about God's nature and how uh, how big He is and how amazing His gifts are. That He's working through everyone and in everything. Um, to bring about his glory. Number three, uh, we should have a passion for keeping the peace. Um, this goes back to verse three, where it says, eager to maintain the unity 
of the spirit in the bond of peace. So we need to be we need eager or endeavoring, some translations use, um, can also be translated as, as a passion. We should have a passion. We should be eager and excited about keeping the peace um, and, and maintaining the unity of the spirit. So uh, once again, you could say we should have uh, a passion for janitoring. <laughs> we should have a passion for those things that we talked about before where that we're preserving the unity. Those should be something that are, that are on our lips and in our minds all the time that, that we should be saying to one another, um, man, I really love your humility. I really love your gentleness. I really love your patience. We should be saying to our kids when we catch them being patient, you, that's awesome. I love how patient you were. I love how gentle you were with that puppy. I love how, um, how you helped that other person in a loving way. And, and in doing so, then we're reiterating to each other uh, our passion for maintaining this unity. Um, and so this is a really important thing to do as far as uh, living this out and, and instilling in us as a church the unity that we need to be experiencing is sharing it with each other and sharing that passion with one another. I think it's really easy to just go, uh, oh yeah, unity, gentleness, patience, you know, like, oh, part of this fruits of the Spirit, cool. But really understanding it, really studying it, really, like, putting it in our core values as a church as far as um, being united and being uh, one in Christ is, is something that's going to be uh, really important as we look this week and next week into this idea of unity. Paul's going to uh, say, look, this is, this is how we mature. This is how we grow in Christ. This is one of the ways um, that we take more ground for Jesus. And then there's the idea of peace here. Um, peace is another theme that Paul mentions multiple times in this letter. Um, and he says that Christ is our peace, um, that God made peace, that God preached peace, that, that he gives unity in peace. And he offers a gospel of peace. And peace is also part of the fruits of the Spirit. So that's the peace we're talking about. We're, the, we're talking about the peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, that, that we should be endeavoring to keep that peace um, together. That we should be endeavoring to make sure that we're spurring each other on to, to be living out that peace and sharing that peace with a world that doesn't have any peace. Because uh, everyone's looking for peace. So you like, see the bumper stickers like, peace, peace, peace be with you, peace, you know, like all these different things. Um, but what we know is that there's only peace found in Christ. There's only lasting peace. Sometimes people will, um, can go take themselves out of civilization and, and find some, la some peace for a moment, but it doesn't last. It, you know, automatically you're back, you have to get back in civilization. You're, you're like, your parents call and then all of a sudden you're, oh, I don't have any peace anymore or whatever. Whatever triggers that, that lack of peace in your life um, takes you away from it. But whereas if Christ is over your life, if you are in Christ, anything can happen. You can go to jail. You can do anything. Like Paul says, I'm a prisoner and I have peace. I, I'm a, I have lasting peace that no one understands because I have Christ. And, and that's what he's talking about. We should have a passion for that. 
And finally, uh, we should be united in Christ. Uh, and I wrote this down. This is the most important one, I believe, because uh, only Christ can unite. Only Christ can give us peace, but only Christ can unite us. Uh, and Paul says, one Lord and one faith. Um, so there is no other name under heaven uh, that by which we must be saved. Uh, and we, we know that. And, and so um, if, if someone else were to come in and say, oh, yeah, I have peace in, in something other than Christ, or, man, I've been trying this smoothie drink, and it's, it's killer, and it's brought me peace and joy, and, and I put all my hope and trust in it, um, then we would be able to say, we don't have unity <laughs> with, with you there, you know? Um, but we love smoothies or whatever. Um, but anything that people come at us with, it's like, oh man, we're united by music. We're united by surfing. We're united by all these things. It's fine, but it's not a true united church that Paul's calling us to be part of. What he's calling us to be part of is a church as a body. Um, the definition of the church are people who have given their lives to Jesus. Um, Jesus defines the church. People who are saying, Jesus is the head of my life. He's the, he's the boss of my life. And that's the only place we find this unity um, that's lasting and that's true. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. Uh, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. First uh, Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there's no, no one else that can allow us access to the Father. It's only through Jesus, one mediator. Romans 10.12 gives us a picture of what this looks like as far as... Um, the difference between Jews and Gentiles, where he says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. So as we meet people and as we are in this community and in relationship with other people, we can have that same unity with other believers who are in Christ. If, if they have Jesus' blood on our lives, we can have a lot of differences, but we can have this one similarity that unites us, and then we treat them gently and patiently and loving and bearing their burdens and all those things. Um, but we can understand that, man, it's the same. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no male or female. There's no... Uh, in Christ, we are one. We are, we are one body. And so... Um, I think that's a, a beautiful picture that we've gotten away with from a little bit uh, in this culture is the idea that, that we are one in Christ and that he richly blesses all who call on him. And that looks different to different people. But to be able to say like, yeah, we are one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in my lane and do what God's called me to do. But you do what God's called you to do and we'll inspire each other and we'll encourage each other. And, 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 and that's our unity that we find in Christ. Thanks for listening to the Verse Church podcast. We're stoked that you joined us. We would like to invite you to join us live Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information or to give to this ministry, 
visit www.verse.church.